Welcome back to another episode of Stand on Guard. I'm still your host, David Craden. And what a week it's been. Yes, and Davos, Switzerland. Always something exciting. We're going to be talking about why, though, this year is different than last year. And I think the common sense people, the small C conservatives and the libertarians, we've got the WEF on the run. I'll be back in a minute to tell you why. So we are in a very precarious position in this country. We need political change, but we also need to resolve to resist. Yeah. Please ring that bell like Sasha demonstrates. Sasha's doing fine, by the way. Thanks for those of you who have asked and like the broadcast right now if you can so we can beat that youtube algorithm you know just when we think we're on the the incline going upwards we seem to hit a wall we seem to hit a ceiling i don't think it's a glass ceiling but it's a ceiling nonetheless and but i really appreciate those of you who are with us day in and day out thanks for boosting our our membership. Thanks for subscribing. Thank you so much. If you have not subscribed, please do so and just check to see that YouTube didn't unsubscribe you. I'm not just hearing that from like-minded broadcasters. I'm hearing that from a lot of folks lately. I was watching a cooking show the other day and the guy was saying, hey, lots of people are being unsubscribed. Go ahead, subscribe again if you have to. Anyway, what's been the story of the week well it's got to be davos switzerland and the world economic forum up to their usual tricks <laughs> but, but i think we have reason for optimism and i'm always spelling out the doom and the gloom on this station on this broadcast because i want the listeners the viewers to be aware of how bad things really are but I think we can take heart this week because I think we've got the WEF on the run. Like I've been telling you earlier this week, the theme of this week's conference, conference of elitists, conference of the privileged, conference of the entitled, was all about trust. And so we had Klaus Schwab begging you for your trust, saying he wanted to be a trustee. So they obviously are aware that the facade is wearing very thin, that the scrutiny from new and independent media seems to be working because people are saying, hey, who are these guys and who are they to tell us what to do? But I tell you, the real surprise for me this week, and if you haven't seen it, watch the whole speech from the new president of Argentina, Javier Millet. Fantastic speech. I've got a, just a portion of it I want you to listen to because you're going to say, he said that at the WEF conference in Davos, Switzerland. How come they didn't yank him off the stage? Well, obviously they're worried that people would notice, would notice that kind of censorship. They're doing their best this time around, to appear like they will broke some criticism. But 
Of course, behind closed doors, they're at it, as usual. And so, let's listen to this, and, I, and I, I'll comment when he's finished, because this is fantastic. Free trade capitalism, um, it is um, to be seen that the world is now um, living its best moment. Never in all of mankind's or humanity's history has there been a time of more prosperity than today. This is a true for all. The world of today has more freedom, is rich, is more peaceful and prosperous. And this is particularly true for countries that have more freedom and have economic freedom and respect the uh, property rights of individuals, because countries that have more freedom are 12 times richer than those that are repressed, and the lowest decile in terms of distribution in free countries are better off than 90% of the population of repressed countries, and uh, poverty is 25 times lower and uh, extreme poverty is 50 times lower. And citizens in free countries live 25% longer than citizens in repressed countries. Now, what is it that we mean when we talk about libertarianism? And let me quote the words of the greatest authority on freedom in Argentina, Professor Alberto Benegas Lech Jr., who says that libertarianism is the unrestricted respect for the life project of others based on the principle of non-aggression in defense of the right to life, liberty, and property. Its fundamental institutions being private property, markets free from state intervention, free competition, the division of labor, and social cooperation, as part of which success is achieved only by serving others with goods of better quality or at a better price. In other words, capitalists Successful business people are social benefactors who, far from appropriating the wealth of others, contribute to the general well-being. Ultimately, a successful entrepreneur is a hero. And this is the model that we are advocating for the Argentina of the future, a model based on the fundamental principles of libertarianism, the defense of life, of freedom, and of property. I say that the West is in danger. And I say this precisely because in those of our countries that should defend the values of the free market, private property, and the other institutions of libertarianism, sectors of the political and economic establishment, some due to mistakes in the theoretical framework and others due to a greed for power are undermining the foundations of libertarianism, opening up the doors to socialism and potentially condemning us to poverty, misery and stagnation. It should never be forgotten that socialism is always and everywhere an impoverishing phenomenon that has failed in all countries where it's been tried out. It's been a failure economically, socially, culturally, and it also murdered over a hundred million human beings. Murdered a hundred million human beings. Socialism, Marxism, communism, Bolshevism, whatever you want to call it, collectivism. We've talked about this here before. The decision we have between collectivism and slavery and a free market and a free mind and freedom. It's a clear choice. It's been delineated by philosophers throughout the ages, and it has been defined by some politicians. But here we have a politician, a president of Argentina. This man is the Maxime Bernier of Latin America. Here he is talking about libertarian capitalist ideas. He calls capitalism a morally superior system. 
than collectivism because it made people wealthy and it it raised the living standard of the vast majority of the population of the world, of the globe. These globalists love to talk about globals, globalism in the globe and the world, but they don't want to give capitalism credit for improving the standard of living and admitting that socialism has been a failure everywhere it's been tried and it will continue to be a failure because it doesn't work. But three cheers for this. I don't know who invited him. I'm sure they're saying, how did this man get on the stage? And because he actually, without mentioning the World Economic Forum by name, he talks about globalist entities that are working towards collectivism and want to enslave the world. I'm very surprised he got to say that. But he's dead on. And this is another sign that this authoritarian group calling itself the World Economic Forum is cracking. The foundation is not stable because it's not built on a solid foundation of human rights and freedom. It's built on the very unstable foundation of socialism, collectivism, and equity, which is doesn't mean equality. It means special status for some. It means some people get human rights and other people don't. It's a collectivization of rights. That's what equity is. And that's what the World Economic Forum is based on. And that will never prosper. So thank God for that speech. Thank God he had the guts to stand up and say that at Davos. So that to me suggests it ain't working. And there's governments throughout Europe that have fallen and are not heeding the globalist agenda. Klaus Schwab bragged about how he's penetrated the cabinets of the world, including Canada's with Justin Trudeau, who's an acolyte of the WEF. And speaking of acolytes, listen to our deputy prime minister, finance minister, Christia Freeland, who just stood by while a journalist was roughed up by a cop, one of her security detail was arrested for assault, big joke, and she said nothing to criticize the actions of her security guard. Okay with her, obviously, if you're not condemning it, if you're not criticizing it, you support it. Let's listen to what Christia Freeland had to say at the WEF, and it's nothing like Javier Mille. It's a hugely transformative moment in the whole global economy. Uh, I think that right now we're living through a moment which is comparable only to the Industrial Revolution itself in terms of the energy transition and the way we need to retool all of our manufacturing. That is huge. Canada's strategy, Borgay, is to say, look at these two trends and let's see how we can use them to play to Canada's strengths. And our view is there's a lot that Canada can offer to the world in this moment. Uh Uh-huh. A lot that Canada can offer to the world. What about offering Canadians something, Christia Freeland? No, you're not in this game of politics because you are defending Canadians, because you want the best for Canada. You are in the political game because you are serving your globalist masters. But she looks pretty weak, pretty feeble here, doesn't she? Suggesting that Canada is retooling? 
It's manufacturing base. Canada hasn't had a manufacturing base for decades, just like the United States lost their manufacturing base to much of the third world and to China. That's where everything is being produced. All the manufacturing is being done overseas. So don't give me this nonsense about retooling. And here she is, and she reinforces this idea that Canada has, oh, 85% clean energy? And she really continues to push and promote this lie that the green energy is somehow going to suffice to propel a, a modern economy into the future. When we just saw in Alberta, when the temperatures plummeted to minus 65 with a wind chill factor, the batteries wouldn't have worked in the cars. The electrical grid froze almost literally. People were asked to stop charging their phones and to unplug appliances to avoid rolling blackouts. That's how well your policies are working, Christia Freeland. And you can deny it. And you can go to Davos and serve your masters and, and, and you, can, you can worship at the feet of your globalist masters. But Canadians aren't listening anymore. And they're waking up to what Davos and the WEF is all about. Here's a great interview with a rebel reporter who was on scene. Got international attention. Ave Yemeni. He got international attention for asking tough questions. Now, this is the same outlet, of course, where Dave Menzies was arrested for asking an uncomfortable question, and it really actually wasn't that uncomfortable, of Christia Freeland, who stood by, actually walked right by, while Menzies was arrested. So I'm surprised somebody didn't try to arrest Avi here. But he was there asking tough questions. And this is one of the best altercations when he confronts former presidential candidate, Democrat presidential candidate, and former senator. And he really gets him. And just watch this. What's the carbon footprint of these events every single year that you come here? think it's worth it? Peasants pay for your crimes? That's a stupid question. Is it, a, is it really? Is it, is, it, is it more stupid than you traveling here to tell us? Please, don't, sorry? We're done. We're done. We are done now. Don't grab me. You can't grab us. This is a free society, mate. This is, we have freedom of the press. Why do you think you're more important? Your carbon footprint doesn't matter, but everybody else around the world suggested that. Nobody ever suggested that. Don't make up stupid questions. Being here suggests that. Stupid question. You being here every single year and doing this suggests that. And and I have done a huge amount. Listen, now it's finished. Please. Why can't I ask him questions? Who are you? Why are you trying to bully me out of us? That doesn't. A lot of people say no to a lot of the policies and agendas he pushes. They don't get a choice, so why can't we ask him a question in a public space? Can you not touch me? Can you not touch me? No, I'm, I'm happy. Wait. 
So, so Andrew, we can walk I nicely. Answered your question. What did you answer? Please respect the Thank you so no. much. I don't even know where I are. I, I, I don't know. Sir, sir. Listen, I, yeah, no, no. that's all right. We're walking to the meeting. Okay, thanks. <laughs> You're a bunch of, why are you working so hard to protect such a criminal? That's right, criminals. Why, why are you protecting criminals? There you go. Great job. And there you go. John Kerry, a former Democratic presidential candidate, former senator, and now he's Joe Biden's climate czar. Yeah. The climate czar who roams around the world in his private jet, courtesy of his wife's fortune. He's the Heinz ketchup king. Do you see the hypocrisy and all? Does he really believe any of this climate hysteria? The world's going to end within the next decade. The climate change is an existential threat. Does he really believe that? I'd like to know if he really believes that, because obviously he sees no problem with him flying around on a private jet, creating a huge carbon footprint. So he can go to the Davos conference and do his work. What work is he doing? What is he what is he actually getting paid to do? What kind of work is he doing except just taking up space? That's what John Kerry is doing. That's his job is to take up space and to talk nonsense. And he won't even answer those questions. Those are stupid questions to suggest that I am taking up a huge carbon footprint and I shouldn't be doing that because it's hypocritical. He thinks that's a stupid question. And I've seen Kerry has been interviewed about this in the past by mainstream media. And he calmly says, oh. I don't have time to take alternate transportation. My work is so important. I have to fly on my private jet because I'm so special. I'm entitled to this. And John Kerry is the most entitled politician on the globe. But there are so many others who are just as entitled, who are just who think they're so special, who think the rules that they create for other people don't apply to them because their work is so important and what they're doing it's all a charade the emperor wears no clothes and the facade is coming down we are seeing that this is all a big lie that they don't even believe it themselves why do you think barack obama who, who sold the climate change hysteria argument for years, why do you think he suggests it's okay? He doesn't say it's okay to live in Martha's Vineyard, even though Al Gore said Martha's Vineyard, along with most of the eastern seaboard, would be underwater because the polar ice caps were going to melt due to global warming caused by climate change. Obviously, he doesn't believe that either. His actions suggest he's just playing along with the game because there's a lot of money to be made from climate change hysteria. There's a lot of money, and follow the money. And Davos and the WEF is all about the money. Who's making it? Who's keeping it? Who's controlling the money supply and who's not getting it? And, and it is exactly that simple.
And these people want to control your lives, but people are starting to ask questions. That interview on the run there. Now, I remember years back when alternate media started asking questions of the participants at Davos like this, because no, they did not get press passes. They had to get these people when they left the auditorium, when they left their hotels, when they're on the street. They had to get them on the run. And sometimes, you know, maybe 10,000 people would see these things on social media. Well, now there are hundreds, millions of people watching these, not only on social media, but these interviews have been rebroadcast on some of the American and international mainstream media. So the word is getting out that these people are running afraid. These people are running from the scrutiny. These people won't answer the questions because they don't have any answers. They're afraid of the questions because they know everything they tell us is a lie. So this is a reason to be optimistic, to take heart, because we are going after the people who want to control us. We're going after the authoritarian leaders. We're demanding answers. We're, we're getting none. And people are noticing. And they're fed up with being led around by the nose by these unelected clowns like Klaus Schwab and John Kerry and all the others who go to Davos to lord it over us. Canadians, Americans, and people around the world are saying, no more. We are not bowing to these unelected idiots who think they can tell us whatever they think we need to know, and they can take the power away from us with absolutely no democratic investment. I want to just shift for a minute here to a great comment that I was listening to the other day. And this man, Kevin O'Leary, you know him from from television. He actually ran for the leadership of the Conservative Party some years ago. And I was quite intrigued by this because I thought he would make an interesting kind of leader. And I followed his campaign and I interviewed him on about four or five different occasions. It was very shocking. He just dropped out of the race. Because I, I thought he would probably contribute something of value to the political process in Canada. But I got to know Kevin O'Leary fairly well during that time. So this interview from Fox the other day was, I think, largely prompted by Justin Trudeau's incredibly stupid remarks about the potential of Donald Trump becoming president again. And Trudeau directly interfering in American politics in the United States primaries by suggesting that would be a bad thing. He doesn't like Donald Trump. He can't work with Donald Trump. Donald Trump tore up the NAFTA agreement. What the hell is he talking about? Canada renegotiated a free trade agreement with the United States and Mexico. Justin Trudeau ratified it. Is he saying he doesn't believe in that free trade agreement? What, what is he saying except that he doesn't like Donald Trump because Donald Trump is a threat to him because Donald Trump represents his worst nightmare? But let's listen to what Kevin O'Leary had to say about this and about Justin Trudeau in general. Words with no disrespect, Canada, and I'm an investor, I look at it from that perspective. I'm a Canadian citizen, I'm an Irish citizen, I'm an Emirati citizen. Um, Canada has 
one of the best natural resource bases on Earth. It's one of the richest countries on Earth from a natural resource basis. It's managed by idiots. Trudeau is the worst prime minister ever put in power. Very successful politician, no executional skills. Hopefully, we will thank him for his service within the next 18 months. It's so important to Canada that he move on. And I, don't, I mean no disrespect, but full disrespect. Very successful politician, sure. incredibly weak manager. Exactly. And he has been unable to manage this country beyond bringing us to the fiscal cliff. And he's going to push us over. And he certainly will if he goes through with his universal basic income plans. But he has been a catastrophically bad prime minister. And, glad, and I'm glad Kevin O'Leary pointed this out because it should be obvious to all of you that this man is continuing to degrade this country's assets, this country's ability, and he continues to push an authoritarian agenda that includes rigor, rigorous censorship. And he's an anti-life politician who pushes an euthanasia program that keeps getting larger and it's going to get bigger this year to include the mentally ill. This man is a danger. He's a clear and present danger to Canadians, to our democracy, to our freedom. And I'm happy to see Kevin O'Leary point that out. So we're going to end this on a high note this week. It's Friday. I might come back over the weekend do another broadcast. But as Davos wraps up, as Davos ends for another year, this has been a very different profile. This has been a very different performance because they are afraid that the jig is up and they know people around the world are wisening up, are smartening up to what they're doing, to what their agenda is, to what they really want to do to you. And thank God we are fighting back. As we say on this broadcast all the time, it's time to resolve to resist. Have a look at our store, by the way, and our hoodies and our t-shirts so you can get that slogan printed on a t-shirt or a hoodie. I know some of you have already ordered. Thank you for doing that. But we need to continue to resolve to resist this authoritarian regime in Canada and to resolve to resist the forces of globalism that want to take our freedom away, that want to take our food away, that want to take our money away and make it a digital currency, and want to take everything that makes us free away. So is Justin Trudeau afraid of Donald Trump? Oh, yes, he is. Should Canada be afraid of Donald Trump? Oh, no. Because there's already a guy in Washington who has opened the southern border to the point of completely ruining the United States' ability to define itself through an immigration policy that is rational and acceptable to most Americans. He has completely destroyed the American dream. So what is Trudeau talking about? We need a return to common sense in the United States as much as we need a return to common sense in Canada. Thanks for watching today.
I'll be back again soon with another edition of Stand on Guard. I'm your host, David Creighton. <laughs>